Hello and welcome to uh, the first ever Apocalypse Cow podcast, which actually doesn't feature music. This is just uh, actually just talking. So I'll understand if some people are a little disappointed because you're just going to hear my voice. <laughs> so sorry about that. Anyway, uh, this is Dan. And uh, as I said, this is Apocalypse Cow's uh, podcast. And this is our first ever um, mid-April podcast, the Ides of April, if you will. And um, uh, it was actually inspired by an email I got a few days ago from a friend of mine, Angela. Uh, there's a lot of people I correspond with on online uh, via emails and, and the newfangled interwebs and such like. Some people are very long distance. Some people it's just easier just to talk to because the kind of schedules we work, we tend to keep later hours. And so email is the easiest way to keep track of people. So I've been uh, shooting some emails back and forth lately with Angela, who's a friend from way back. We're total tight bros from way back, dude. And uh, <laughs> when you know somebody since kindergarten, it's kind of nice because you've got a lot of shorthand. So you can be like, oh, dude, remember that one thing where, yeah, yeah when we were in this one class. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. And so you have all that. Plus, you know, the other nice thing is when you like, you know, go to a Catholic school, like you don't actually have to preface any story about school with, yeah, dude, I did go to Catholic school. Yeah, yeah I did have to wear you. Yeah, there were none. Yeah, they were really, oh yeah, they were really strict. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to do this with Angela, which is really nice. So, um, she sent me an interesting email a couple days ago, and um, it was really just a forward. I think she probably just sent it because she had gotten it, and she thought it was interesting, she sent it along. But it was just so serendipitous, because here we are, it's the Ides of April, as I said, and, you know, tax day, 15th, uh, you know, you're trying to get everything uh, in in time, and uh, and I got this email, and it's funny, because uh, anybody who does a lot of emailing probably encounters this, too, where you get a lot of spam, uh, and uh, these particular spams, I like to refer to as, like, spamalize, because they're, like, usually spams you get, they're anonymous, they're usually poorly uh, spelled, uh, the grammar's very poor, <laughs> overall it's a very shoddy production, and, uh, you know, it's a very close cousin to the old uh, Nigerian spams that you get all the time, the, uh, you know, 419 uh, scams, where it's like, oh, you know, uh, I am uh, an exile, and I have all this money, and if you just help me uh, by giving me a little money now, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like those Nigerian spams, of course, these spam lies are generally a pack of lies. You'll get one, like I remember there was one about Captain Kangaroo being some sort of like hardcore Marine World War II hero. Ah, it's ridiculous, you know. And of course, there's the ones earlier this year, there's the famous one about Obama was supposedly a Muslim and that he would only swear on the Quran and all this. Other. Well, that was debunked. And then there's the one about, oh, Obama doesn't want to say this Pledge of Allegiance. And of course, that was debunked. And there are various sites you can go on and kind of debunk some of these. But this one I got was really interesting. It was basically showing um, how supposedly um, John McCain's tax uh, plan would be far superior to uh, Hillary Clinton's and Obama's. Well, the first thing that's very interesting about <laughs> about that is that um, this was uh, obviously a pro-McCain <laughs> spam. And I, I got it from Angela and I thought, oh, this is kind of interesting. You know, I should read this and, you know, do a little research and see how much of this is true and how much isn't. Well, as it turns out, of course, a great deal wasn't. So uh, I wrote a little response to it, which by little, I mean like, you know, several dozen pages of stuff. Uh, sorry, Angela, that was so long. <laughs> it was a really long email response there. And then I read it to Jeffrey and Teresa here at the Cow, and they really liked it. And they're like, you know, you should do a podcast about this. And, you know, I'm like, well, what the heck? You know, it's the middle of April, tax day. It's perfect timing. You know, what the heck? We'll just do it. 
So, um, so this is kind of my response to that. Uh, first off, I should probably read you uh, some of the, the more salient points from the original Spamalai. Um, again, this is authored by somebody who doesn't give their name or any information. I mean, this just kind of appeared out of the ether. So for all we know, this is, you know, Frank Luntz, one of these uh, neocon guys who's just making stuff up and uh, trying to uh, frame arguments in the most uh, deceptive and um, slimy way possible. So... Uh, first thing I should do is read you a little of the original. Uh, so the original spam lie says capital gains tax. And then it says McCain is saying 15%, which is no change from Bush. And then Obama at 28% and then Clinton at 24%. And then there's a little commentary at the bottom as, as <laughs> there is with uh, these this sort of things. And it says, how does this affect you? If you sell your home and make a profit, you will pay 28% of your gain on taxes. If you are heading towards retirement and would like to downsize your home or move into a retirement community, 28% of the money you make from your home will go to taxes. Okay, well, I'll address that later. Let's just move on here. Dividend tax. McCain, also 15%. No change from the Bush years. Obama, 39.6%. And Clinton at 39.6% as well. How will this affect you? If you have any money invested in stock market, IRA, mutual funds, college funds, life insurance, retirement accounts, or anything that pays or reinvests dividends, you will now be paying nearly 40% of the money earned on taxes if Obama or Clinton become president. The experts predict that higher tax rates on dividends and capital gains would crash the stock market, yet do absolutely nothing to cut the deficit. Hmm. I like that they always say experts, you know, but there's no more excited. Anyway, more on that later. Okay. So <clears throat> now as for income tax, there's a lot here. So I'm not going to even bother with reading you a lot of it because as I said before, a lot of it's uh, mistaken information, but I will get back to some of the bigger stuff here. Um, now, uh, then we get to the inheritance tax, which of course is actually better known as the estate tax. Or if you're one of these uh, cons, uh, you're going to refer to it as the death tax, which is, <laughs> I always feel like I need like one of those like awesome typo negative, like, like really growly uh, vocal effects, like one of those modulator effects on my vocal every time. So it'd be like the death tax, you know, which is just spine tingling, you know, anyway. Um, but anyway, in the, under the inheritance tax, better known as the estate tax, uh, McCain 0% because, uh, Bush repealed this tax, um, a few years back and then Obama wants to keep it and Clinton wants to keep it. Now, how does this affect you? Many families have lost businesses, farms, and ranches and homes that have been in their families for generations because they could not afford the inheritance tax. Those willing their assets to loved ones will not only lose them to these taxes. Well, leaving aside the fact that the last sentence is actually kind of a fragment, it doesn't really have a conclusionary section. Uh, it feels very dangling. It's like, I don't know, it's like not flushing the toilet at the end. It's, it's very, uh, no sense of completion. Anyway, now moving on, we have a new tax being proposed by both Clinton and Obama. Now, I didn't find a whole lot about this online. Um, so I'm wondering if a lot of this might in fact just be bunk, but I don't know. Um, so they are saying that Clinton and Obama will be starting a new tax, uh, new government taxes proposed on homes that are more than 2,400 square feet. Uh, new gasoline taxes, as if gas weren't high enough already. That's a little <clears throat> parenthetical note they have in there. 
New taxes on natural resource consumption, such as heating gas, water, and electricity. She thinks, now I know what that is. New taxes on retirement accounts. And last but not least, new taxes to pay for socialized medicine. So we can receive the same level of medical care as other third world countries. Three exclamation points at the end. Now, I'm just not going to even comment on that because it's just too ridiculous. Anyway, and then at the end, in bold letters, as there always is, because it's always capitalized. They're always so big into bold letters, capitalization, spelling mistakes, um, uh, uh, colorization. It's just very strange. It's like you have the same three guys doing everything. It's it's which is actually probably true. Come to think of it. Anyway, at the end, in huge, what looks to be 24 point font <laughs> size, it says, can you afford Clinton or Obama? I can't. And uh, then you cue the music and a little public service announcement saying, vote for John McCain or you will go to hell. You know, or something like that. Something tasteful. Really nice like that. Okay, well, technically it doesn't say that last part at the end. But leaving aside all that and just concentrating on the stuff that you can actually factually prove. The actual facts. And and to be honest with you, most of this stuff I did find very easily. So, and, and, you know, actually, I kind of got into it. It was kind of fun. It was it was sort of like a big, you know, Easter egg hunt. Uh, but instead of eggs, you're, you know, looking for the truth. And so I really do urge you guys, if you want to check out some of the stuff, it's, it's very easy to find. And, you know, just find a few sources and you should be pretty much home free after that. So anyway, here's what I wrote back to Angela uh, today. Uh, slightly edited here. (laughs) I said, Angela, oh man, thanks a ton for sending me that spam about taxation. This kind of stuff always makes my day. I get this kind of thing all the time. I like to call them spamolize or sometimes spamoliorama if I get a bunch on the same day. And then I kind of talk to her about a few of the spams that I've gotten in the past. And then I say, and then there was the one where they said Obama was going to give all our social security money to AIDS victims in Africa when he's elected pres, even though that seems a tad unlikely that nobody would notice him doing that, considering that the U.S. government at the moment only gives a little less than 16 cents of every $100 we make to African medicine and relief. But anyway, I digress. I gotta say that whoever writes these things is something of a genius for marketing, though uh, not much in the way of fixing spelling and grammatical mistakes, ha. Uh, Plus, on a day like today, the good old Ides of April, when we're all scurrying around to get our taxes in, this is just the sort of thing to cheer me up. Now, I'm not going to even bother debunking some of the kookier claims in that spam, like the stuff about, you know, socialized medicine and the U.S. being uh, turned into a third world country, because that's just so off the wall. Funnily enough, though, I just read yesterday that the World Health Organization, or WHO, as I like to call them mainly because it's just more fun, ranked the U.S. currently at 37th in the world in quality of health care, which I think is actually pretty weak, considering we're trailing after such nations as France, which is one, Singapore, number six, Japan, number 10, UK, 18, Colombia, which is number 22, and Costa Rica, which is number 36. I mean, darn, Costa Rica? You know, Colombia? Freaking Singapore. You know, it's like maybe becoming a third world country would be a bit of a step up for most Americans. Something about it. Anyway, whenever I see these kinds of statements included, it's always a good sign that there's some pretty lousy scholarship at work here. But the biggest dead giveaway is always the lack of sources cited. That's when you know somebody's telling some fibs outside of school, as we used to say back in the day. Of course, you being the proud mom of a pretty sharp little eight-year-old daughter, 
You probably know better than most what elementary teachers think of a turn paper with no work cited. That's when they get out the big old red pen and mark it up, which is what I'm going to do now. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, I'll try to make this as quick as possible since the subject is so darn dry, but I'll try to do everything in the same order as the spamali whenever possible here. So, <clears throat> firstly, we've got capital gains tax. First off, the idea that anybody who sells their home will be hit with that percentage is a pretty big whopper of a lie there. Fact is, the profits from selling your home are exempt from those taxes on the first $250,000 for singles and $500,000 for couples. Now, that's just in profits made from the sale, mind you. So, unless you've been featured in Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous and plan on fetching some big bucks in your McMansion, you're probably going to be safe. I know I am. For instance, if you want to get an idea of how big your house would be to qualify for one of these cap gains taxes, just do what I did and do a little search on www.kirkholmes.com and go to the most luxurious area that I could find, Hoffman Estates. Those houses are starting at about 370000 for what they call single-family homes at Beacon Point that offer three and four bedrooms with plenty of space for everyone and at surprisingly affordable prices. Now, I'm thinking the word affordable might be a bit debatable for those of us who actually live on planet Earth. He he. But man, some of these places are pretty incredible looking, I have to admit. Um, <clears throat> there's one here called the Springwood Model. Mm, very upper crusty darling, I must say. So that's at least 3,250 square feet, two stories tall, four bedrooms, two and a half baths, a guest suite with its, with its own bathroom, of course, a full. Yeah, and that's a full basement, and a, a pretty kick-ass looking den, I must say, all for the attractive price of the upper $470,000. Now, I sure would love to have a place like that. <laughs> uh, heck, I can live with a measly 28% tax if I could ever sell it, because <laughs> especially considering if I ever did sell that place, it would only be to move you know, someplace bigger. Uh, of course, that's only if I lived there by myself. If I had a wife or a partner living there with me, I'd be totally exempt on that tax anyway. But of course, I'm, I'm exempt in either case because I'd have to literally make more than twice the original price I paid for this baby. So I'm thinking we're safe. Anyway, uh, now, to be fair, I don't believe that Hillary has actually stated one way or the other what she wants to do with the cap gains tax uh, or any other taxes for that matter. She's actually a little tight lipped on actual numbers and specifics so far, which is pretty shoddy if you ask me. Because I mean, here we've got somebody who's saying, oh, I'm going to be ready from day one. But I mean, I, I haven't seen any any actual concrete numbers from her. But again, I digress here. But I do know that my main man, Senator Obama, has indeed said he will increase the cap gains tax somewhere between 20 to 28 percent. So the spam lie is overstating things a bit there, too. I mean, that they were saying 28%. That's a bit of an exaggeration. I mean, he would. this would be only at the worst-case scenario there. <clears throat> but even with President Obama raising the cap gains tax, as he said he will, the vast majority of Americans, in other words, folks like you and me, will be exempt from any of that taxation. So... I'm not really sweating it here, Angela. I, I got to tell you. Uh, not to mention, at the same time as he's going to be raising cap gains on the richest of the rich homeowners, Senator Obama will actually be completely, dig this, completely eliminating that tax for small businesses and startups like yours truly, my friends. Yes. I mean, come on. You got to admit you like the sound of that. <laughs> you know, I know I do. 
Um, oh, okay. And speaking of homeowners, our Senator Obama will also be trashing the current mortgage interest deduction, which excludes almost two thirds of us who don't itemize our taxes. And he'll be replacing that with a 10% credit that is estimated to save the average man on the street 500 smackaroos per year. Plus, it'll save us hours worth of work crunching those dang numbers when we're doing the you know returns. So, we'll have that going for us too, which is nice. Okay. So, now we move on to dividend tax. Now, this might be the absolute silliest part of the whole spam lie. Well, after the part about socialized medicine, that is, especially the quotes from nameless experts, which is always a good sign that you're being fed a uh, heap and helping a warm manure. Let me tell you, the idea that raising dividend taxes to 39.6% would crash the stock market is so ridiculous. I, I'd be hard pressed to find somebody to agree with that statement. I, According to Eric Toder at the Urban Institute, he says, Quote, the effect on the stock market would be small and would be swamped by changes in the stock prices due to other causes, end quote. Okay, heck, even William Ahern, who's a spokesman for the Tax Foundation, as well as being a guy who violently opposes any form of dividend tax increase at this point, says that that's pretty hyperbolic, which, I mean, where I come from means a big fat lie. <laughs> uh, speaking of lying, that number... The spam liar uses 39.6% would only apply to people in the top federal tax bracket, which are people who make over $357,700 a year. Yowza. Okay. Now, I don't know about you, because who knows? Maybe you have some kind of crazy lucrative Tupperware party gig you do on the side, which makes you a lot of extra cash. And I say, God bless you, if that's the case. But... As for me, uh, you know, I'm a fair amount of dough away from ever being in that tax bracket. So I'm unconcerned, to say the least. I think the spam liars experts may be not so much with adding and subtracting big numbers. Hmm. Now, mind you, I'm trying to remember if our, our you know, high school uh, economics teacher, Mr. Langan, even went into this in, in you know, back in the day. But, uh, but the idea of dividends is that they're profits people make on stock speculation. Basically, it's what companies give the stockholders as a way to distribute profits. Well, before Bush began his uh, orgy of tax slashing to benefit the wealthiest of his campaign contributors, uh, dividends were taxed at the same rate as any other form of income, which actually makes sense considering that it's, it's basically an income people get without actually working for it in any way. I mean, it's not like it's not like these guys are digging ditches in Peoria 40 hours a week for these dividends or anything. I mean, they just have to be lucky, you know? Plus, it's not like these stockholders are risking their grocery and diaper money here. People who invest are using their surplus funds. I mean, that's just what we do. And like, you know, if the company doesn't make a profit that year, yeah, it, it sucks. But they can't actually take more from you than you initially invested. Uh, not to mention a lot of these people didn't even invest the money personally themselves. Uh, a lot of these people, they're just getting free money because their dad or their granddad, in many cases, became a big time stockholder in some company back in the day. And now they've inherited this big gushing money faucet that pipes you know, right into their mansion. So with due respect to Paris Hilton and her set, I think they can pay taxes on every dollar of their income, just like the rest of us, darn it. Okay, inheritance tax. Um, I'm fairly certain I never heard of somebody 
actually losing their farm or house or something because of an estate tax. Now, when I read that, I, I had to laugh like hell. I mean, damn, this guy makes it sound like it's this crippling levy that just completely, you know, breaks the backs of anyone who has to pay it. Well, I'm here to tell you it ain't all that, my friends. You know, for instance, in Illinois this year, the estate tax is only applicable in cases in which the money you're inheriting is over two million bucks. Now, at the moment, I'm fairly certain I don't have anybody in my family with that much bling. <laughs> but if I did, I would be more than willing to pay the percentage the Lando Lincoln is going to hit me with. Now, as for the whole mom pot kettle lose the farm BS, well, there's this great article by Neil Harl, uh, who's an economist at Iowa State University, and he says he spent years searching far and wide trying to find even one single case of somebody losing their farm because of the estate tax, but has come up with zip every time. It's a myth, laughs Harl. Uh, M-Y-T-H. You know, it's an urban legend here. You know. What is pretty interesting, though, is that actual experts... Now, I'm talking about actual experts here. I'm not just fake people that some spam liar made up one day using the names of his you know, pets or whatever. No, I'm talking about real-life economists, such as Nobel Prize winner Joseph Stieglitz. And they've pointed out that when you don't tax that money, it all just stays in one super rich family, what I like to call the Yacht and Mansion Club, <laughs> uh, for the rest of all time and eternity, which, of course, is not a very good way to stimulate growth in the economy. I mean, the whole idea of the estate tax when it was first introduced by Teddy Roosevelt was to keep America from becoming stuck in all the old destructive class structures of Europe at the time. Yeah, sound familiar, right? Well, a lot of people don't know it was a Republican who really spoke in favor of it at the beginning. Teddy said it was created to discourage certain crazy rich dynasties from amassing wealth, quote, swollen beyond all healthy limits, end quote, and kept strictly in the family, as it were. <laughs> um, in fact, a whole bullet of modern multimillionaires uh, have argued in favor of keeping the estate tax, including Ted Turner, Bill Gates, George Saros, et al. Um, Warren Buffett even said that if W was to repeal the tax, which he did because he's a pinhead, it would in effect create an aristocracy of wealth, which means you would pass down the ability to command the resources of the nation based on heredity rather than merit. Now, that's something Warren Buffett just said there. That's really interesting. Or to put it another way, if we're ever foolhardy enough to actually permanently get rid of the estate tax, don't, don't be surprised if we don't someday end up with some jag off living on Park Avenue you know, forcing everybody to call him the Archduke of Manhattan or some such other snobby, faux-aristocratic title. I mean, you remember when Michael Jackson started making everybody call him the King of Pop. Well, it's like that, but with a ten times worse taste in your mouth. Yeesh. I just don't even want to think about it. Anyway, now these economists and concerned citizens figure that if the estate tax, or as the cons so erroneously call it, the death tax. <clears throat> Sorry. If the estate tax is allowed to stay repealed for another decade or longer, we could be looking at a loss of over $850 billion in tax revenues between 2011 and 2021. Plus, when the government first cut this tax, they in effect shifted the burden from wealthy families and trust fund babies, now I'm looking at you again, Paris Hilton here, to people like us, who have way less means to pay. In other words, the Yacht and Mansion Club is siphoning monies off the middle class, so the super rich don't have to contribute their fair share. 
It just doesn't sound right to me. And as we all know, <laughs> these wars in Iraq, Afghanistan, and of course the upcoming ones in Iran and Syria aren't going to pay for themselves here. Come on, people. Chop, chop. Let's all get together as a team. Give a little more for the next carpet bombing campaign here. All right. Now we get to income tax. Um, this is especially interesting, I think. Uh, this is another example of very creative BSing. Uh, <laughs> in fact, it it maybe is the most lies per paragraph I've seen since the last day of the union address. <laughs> um, <clears throat> sorry, I had to get a dig in there. Well, it's true that our Senator Obama does plan to let W's tax cuts on 2003 expire. Now this is important. This will only apply to people in the top 1%. Yes, that's correct. Just to put that in perspective a bit, the average income of somebody in this top 1% is $1.6 million per year. Yes, that's a lot of trips to Taco Bell, buddy. Even if you buy the most expensive chalupas they got, and you know, the really the really tasty nacho cheese supreme ones. Oh God, so, so good. Anyway, <clears throat> to put it in another way, in 2001, before Bush started cutting taxes for super rich buddies, the net worth of the wealthiest top 1% of our nation was $186 billion, which ain't exactly nothing to sneeze at. Now, as of 2008, the network of the filthiest 1% of the filthy rich in this country is... Wait for it. Wait for it. $816 billion. Yeah. Now, do these fellows suddenly start working three times harder than the rest of the country? Probably not. So, I figure they'll understand... If we don't bust out crying that the super duper rich are going to finally have to pay the taxes that they had to pay back in 2001. On that note, back in 2003, when Bush was cutting taxes for the super wealthy at the same time as he was gearing up for war. And I believe that's the first time, at least in my memory, that an American press has ever done that. uh, Some 450 economists signed a statement addressed to W which was also printed in a full-page ad in the New York Times. Let's show some panache there, I must say. Now, this group involved a lot of guys way smarter than me, including 10 of the 24 American Nobel Prize winners in economics who are still living. And they urged W not to enact the 2003 tax cuts because they had figured out that the cuts would actually cause a growing budget deficit while not giving us any real economic growth, which is really interesting because that, that was the whole point, of course. Most important, they said it would create an even bigger, quote, economic inequality, end quote, which is another way of saying the rich get richer while you and me get poorer and poorer. Now, check out that statement sometime. It's easy to find. And while, you know, it ain't exactly a thrill I'm going to read, it has turned out to be oddly prophetic. So to me, the most irresponsible thing you could do as president would be to keep these ridiculous, you know, tax cuts for the Yacht and Mansion Club. I mean, the smart play would be what Senator Obama has been talking about for over a year, which is to specifically ensure that the rich aren't allowed to duck out on paying their fair share of taxes. Uh, Back in October, Senator Obama mentioned that there's no doubt that the tax system has been skewed. And said more recently that he has sweeping pans, plans, should I say, to tax, quote, wealthy Americans. I'm not bashful about it, end quote. To which I say, you go, Obama. You know what I mean? So, now, our Senator Obama's plan 
is to keep the current tax cuts in place for everybody except the top 1% of Americans. Okay. So this is, this is exactly the opposite of what they're saying in the, uh, in the spam a lot. So the tax cuts will remain in place for everybody except the top 1% of Americans, people like, oh, I don't know, the CEOs of companies like, say, Enron, Halliburton, Blackwater, you know, those dudes I mentioned above who average $1.6 million a freaking year, and that's on the average. Now, excuse me a moment while I play the world's smallest violin for those poor rich folks in their Lexus convertibles. <clears throat> or not. <laughs> Senator Obama's also got a pretty exciting new credit he's been talking about on his website. It's a payroll tax cut called Making Work Pay, and it'll give 500 bucks back to each person or 1000 bucks to each working family in America. Now, here's the coolest part about this. It would make it, it would it would actually completely eliminate income tax for 10 million of us. Us people. Yes. I, it's, can you imagine that not paying income tax and letting the super wealthy pick up the bill this time instead of the other way around? Just, you know how it's been for so long? Well, at least seven years, right? I mean, that's just fantastic. Uh, and then another great thing about Senator Obama's plan is that he'll be completely eliminating income tax for senior citizens who make less than $50,000 a year, which I really wish my grandma could have lived to see that, man. I mean, she'd be dancing a freaking Irish river dance for... Senator Obama right now, man, I tell you what, well, she'd like him anyway, just because she was, you know, she was very, <laughs> she's <was> very progressive. <laughs> um, or, you know, let's just put it another way here. Uh, the spam lie uh, that Angela sent me is, is, is again, once again, cooking the books in a direction that's trying to make that wild eyed Uncle McCain <laughs> look like some kind of front of the working man type or something. But in fact, the spam a liar didn't even get the McCain numbers right. I mean, in actual fact, if you use the IRS's uh, tax tables for 2007, the stats uh, would look more like this. So you'd say, uh, for instance, a single making 30K would actually be taxed only uh, $4,113 instead of $4,500. Um, or for instance, a married person making uh, 60K would be taxed only 8,221, not 9,000. You know, all the way up to married people making 125K. They would be taxed only twenty four thousand ninety eight bucks, as opposed to thirty one thousand two hundred fifty. Now that's a bit of a change. <laughs> that's a that's a difference, you know. So you see, the spam liar can't even get his facts right when he's trying to make you know McCain look good, which just shows you, I guess, how pathetic this dude really is. You know, I, maybe I shouldn't blame the guy though. I I don't know. Considering he may he may have gotten these figures straight from McCain's website, I don't know. And you know, let's face it, McCain has been largely clueless on economic issues. Uh, I mean, Scott Johnson, for instance, a respected commentator on public policy, who's also the editor of www.powerlineblog.com, has said of McCain, he is intellectually lazy on these things, and that does not serve him well. And then he goes on in the same article to analyze McCain's understanding of these issues as being inferior to even Mitt Romney's, which is interesting. He says, I don't think Senator McCain has the capacity, Johnson concludes. Really interesting. Uh, hell, even McCain himself admitted recently, I know a lot less about economics than I do about military and foreign policy issues, he says. Well, uh, let's just hope that that statement is not true for his own sake, because this is considering this is the fellow who has, on five separate occasions now, accidentally, you can put that in quotes if you want, 
accidentally told reporters that Iran is arming Al-Qaeda, which is a, a bit like saying the Red Sox are training at Yankee Stadium. You know, it's just... It shows a lack of grasp of international affairs in a big way here. Um, add to that McCain's inability to make up his mind on whether Bush's self-serving 2003 tax cuts are a good idea or not. You know, because back back before he's like, well, I can't in good conscience sign off on these. You know, and now he thinks they're the greatest things since sliced bread. So you, you put all this together and you've got yourself a guy whose economic platform is as wishy-washy as his, his, his constant flip-flops on torture, uh, man-made climate crisis, uh, creating a holiday for Reverend King. Uh, campaign finance, you know, even the anti, you know, the violently anti-Catholic filth that's uh, routinely spewed by his pastor, John Hagee. Straight talker, my ass. That's what I say to that. Okay, so just to sum this all up here, I'll sum it all up in order of what I believe the value, (laughs) the value is in my, totally my opinion here. One, you have Senator Obama. 80 billion dollars in tax relief for working class folks like you and me. Now, I give him a score of five thumbs up. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes, five thumbs. Yes. I'd give him more if I, if I could find more thumbs. Anyway, two, Senator Clinton. Nobody knows, unfortunately, because she still hasn't released any numbers yet. Therefore, she receives a score of four question marks and one dude WTF question mark. You know what I mean? Three, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. McCain. Four more years of George W. Bush's failed economic policies, which have thrown us into the worst economic crisis in our country since the 30s. The judges, by the judges I mean me, have unanimously awarded him five thumbs down and a very loud, almost ear-splitting, actually, hell no. Now, if all these math, all this math stuff here, I'm, I'm throwing a lot of stuff at you. And I mean, I'm not a math person, so I can understand if you, if this is a little hard to absorb all this at once and, or at all, I mean, I can, I hear you there too. Well, let me just ask you a couple quick questions. The first one is, has your life been better in any way in these last seven years? Or, or do you even feel safer, you know? Two. Do you remember what you spent your, you know, $200 government refund check on? Three. Did you even qualify to receive a refund check? I know I didn't. Sniff, sniff. (laughs) Now, if you answer no to any of or all of these questions, I think you might want to take a look into uh, my main man, Senator Obama. That's all I'm saying. I mean, look... Look, here we are. We're at a point in America's history where a vast majority of us believe we are already in a depression. Okay? Now, the, the British papers are already saying that this is the worst depression uh, in America since the 30s. So, I mean, you know, uh, so we believe it. They believe it. But somehow our, uh, our, our the uh, Bush administration isn't willing to admit it, you know? And, and of course, a, a full 81% of us wildly disapprove of Bush's handling of the economy. And so I think it would be a mistake for us to believe these rotten spam lies being fed to us. I mean, what's McCain's answer to this crisis we're in? You know, four more years of the same crap? Well, to that I say pshaw, sir. Pshaw. No, Mr. McCain. We cannot afford four more years of preferential treatment for the filthiest of the filthy rich while the rest of us toil to make ends meet. 
We can't afford another 4,000 dead American kids in a war. Our government sold to us under false pretenses, that's for sure. And we can't afford another four years and another $3 trillion of our Social Security savings being drained away uh, to pay for this president's wars of adventure. I mean, this guy, uh, this guy, and now this guy we have that's running now, he wants to do 100 years? Uh, it's beyond satire at this point. Uh, so, that said, with all this talk about taxes, I do want to say, it's not like I hate paying taxes anyway, exactly. Um, I, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, who the hell could possibly like paying taxes? Well, it's not as if I actually like paying taxes per se. It's just I, I, I do appreciate the reason why our founding fathers made sure we could. Um, you know, we all pay into taxes, right? Just like our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents did in their own time. It's the price of admission we pay. Uh, to live in the freest and most opportunity-laden country in the world. It's like the yearly uh, cover fee to the nonstop coolest house party ever, you know? Or uh, the annual charge for winning the lottery of just being born here in America. I mean, that is a lottery right there. That's, that's a megabucks lottery. Uh, I don't begrudge paying my fair share. In fact, I'm darn proud to be a part of that tradition, Oh, sure. We all grumble a little now and then again about taxes. I mean, I don't care who you are. We all do it. You know, it's just it's it's one of our national pastimes here in the U.S. Uh, but we all know in the end that there's certain things we need that we can't buy on our own, no matter how rich we get. Like the fact that we all need police to patrol our streets and the military to defend us and fire departments and watchdog agencies that make sure we have safe drinking water and protect our land from polluters and safe imports such as toys we don't have to worry about giving to our kids you know uh the interstates that connect one end of the nation to the other come from our taxes as do the polio vaccines that keep our kids legs from wasting away as does the plumbing and sewer systems that crisscross under our feet as does the air traffic infrastructure that keeps our planes from crashing into each other hey you know, even the fact that I, uh, I'm shooting you a letter here, Angela, via the email right now is because people in our government once upon a time had the foresight to invest research money into this wacky, insane theoretical concept called the Internet. And you have to do the quotes with your hands, the Internet like that. I mean, I don't like driving the speed limit in a 35 or 30 mile you know, per hour zone exactly either, but. I understand why the law is in place. It's just like when I was a kid. I hated eating green beans or doing my math homework, but I knew somewhere in the back of my mind, <laughs> maybe dimly, <laughs> but somewhere, I knew that this would be beneficial for me, <laughs> even if it was unpleasant for me right then, you know? So, when I hear some rich, fat cat, card sneak, flat tax apologist tell me that we need to cut taxes some more for the top one quarter of 1% of all taxpayers. Yes, the top one quarter of 1% of all taxpayers. Now, these are the same people who receive almost 47% of this year's total income gains. I say no. Actually, we don't have to cut taxes for them. What we do have to do and what I can say with absolute moral certainty is that we need to level the playing field so that the people who make up the vast majority of this country can be allowed the equal opportunities for success as these rich kids have been enjoying the last few years, you know? 
Uh, we're tired of rowing down here like slaves, you know, for these captains of industry, darn it, you know? And that's why I'm voting for somebody other than the usual self-interested career politician type this November. To me, I can't afford not to, you know? And that is what I uh, what I wrote to Angela today. So, <laughs> again, Angela, sorry about the length of the letter. Um, but thank you for inspiring me because it's always good to get a good a good letter from a friend, and you know it, it sets a spark in your mind. And you start thinking. Next thing you know, well, in my case, you know, you you roll off several dozen pages of uh, of uh, rant. So <laughs> it's always a good thing. No, but uh, seriously though, uh, thank you, Angela, for that. And um, hopefully you don't mind me sharing some of our <laughs> uh, letter to the rest of the the world here. And um, anyway, so when you get this email, because I know a lot of you people out there are going to get this spam lot here. Now, I know you're going to get it because it's it's making the rounds. They always do. And they spread like wildfire. It's like typhus, you know. When you get it, just refer back. To my little podcast here, you know, and better yet, do your own research because it's more fun that way. Like I said, you know, you can really get into it sometimes. You know, I know people say, oh, well, research is boring. Well, not always. Sometimes for a cause, it's very, very exciting. It's very exhilarating. Uh, again, another friend of mine, Heidi, she will say the same exact thing. She will say nothing more exhilarating than research. Well, I guess it depends on what the subject is, but still, it's very true. So again, thanks for listening, and I'm sorry there was no music, but I figured, well, since this is the middle of the month and not actually the beginning, of, you know, this is sort of an unexpected additional podcast, so I'm not really preempting the music, I'm just sort of adding something on top. So again, thanks for listening to our first <laughs> annual tax podcast. <laughs> Hopefully this time next year we'll be uh, reaping the benefits of uh, President Obama's uh, sweeping tax reforms. And um, thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you guys very soon. Bye.